When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hello everybody and welcome to For the Love of Pomegranate Podcast and this is a new endeavour for us as we look to uh, listen to maybe some voicemails that you guys have sent in. Um, I'm going to be really honest, I don't know how this is going to go but it's uh, it's a new concept, it's something I've wanted to do um, maybe get you guys in to talk on the podcast and obviously you know, sharing stream, sharing stream links and stuff like that can get very, very messy and stuff. So we're we're trying to settle maybe on something that we can we can use to kind of get you guys to essentially try and create some more interaction, more voice interaction, you know, and 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 more more conversation, I suppose, on the podcast. Because while I absolutely love your comments and please, please keep on sending them in, specifically on things like the team sheet tantrum, and we do go out of our way to try and read as many of them as we possibly can. And um, sometimes having that little bit of context with a question or maybe somebody getting back to us with, you know, with an explanation of why they're asking a certain question or if we've even answered the question that they've asked can be really good. So over the coming weeks and months, we're going to try and build upon this and see if we can uh, make it into something cool. But today we're going to have a little go. And, I, you know, there's been some really good uh, voicemails that have come through from you guys and we're going to take a listen to a few of them today i did plan on putting this up on the screen so we could see who sent in the voicemails and everything like that but i'm just a small bit conscious with regards to people's personal information there's some email addresses that are visible so if you are sending in a voicemail maybe leave out the email address it is optional to put in there i can't remove the functionality for you to put in your email address i'm just conscious of sharing in somebody's email address on the screen so with that in mind i'm not going to share up what people's uh, the, the people who've sent these in because of some personal information that's in there and in future if you guys are sending in uh, a voicemail 
please just fill in the name part and you can leave out the email address if if uh, if you like because um obviously I don't want to share anybody's personal email address for obvious reasons um for obvious reasons so let's take a little look at it as I said this could go any which way and we're going to start off with the very first podcast and I hope to God you guys can hear it so here it goes Okay, the audio on that one was a small little bit um, distorted. Hope you guys could hear it at home. But basically, the premise of the question, if I'm not mistaken, was do we overrate our squad? And I'm going to say 100% yes, and I am a massive culprit for overrating our squad. And the reason being is because, um, number one, it's 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 a small bit more fun sometimes to think that you've got something better than you actually than you, than you have. And look, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to say sometimes I do live, I live in a very, very optimistic land. I live in a land whereby I try my best to, like, to, to, to wash the the negativity off on a week-to-week basis, a day-to-day basis. I, I try my best to do that because, you know, it's um, I follow Aston Villa because I love them. I follow Aston Villa because it's a massive hobby, and I follow Aston Villa because I find that there's an identity with this team, not the team itself on the field, but the club and, the and, and the, you know, what they what – they, embody and, and some of the players that have gone before them and obviously Paul McGrath and things like that and I just find that they really speak to me so for me yes there's a realism that whereby I, I, I'm fully okay with saying that I overrate some of the players and and I do think we do as a fan base but then again I think sometimes as well in the in the event of a loss that we've just had I think that I fell down the trap as well of underrating or being being probably more doom and gloom than I normally would be because literally the, the phrase is any given Sunday for, for NFL teams, but any given day that you go out in the field, you could have an absolute stinker. And the context behind a lot of the things that happened at the weekend um, are, is, is paramount. And I'm not going to relitigate the whole weekend, and I'm going to go back to the actual question that you asked there with regards to our squad. And I don't think that, I think that we overrate, um, I think that we can kind of overrate uh, some of the players for sure, but and I think what what happens is you kind of see that when we go to look to sell on our players, that maybe the market isn't there for them. Now, I think that that is synonymous of a lot of teams don't put in the work into buying players that they do that they should do, that we do have some really good players that got work in certain systems. But because of the uh, because of the fast nature, the fast paced nature of a football manager, they don't want to put in the work to see that, yes, this guy can fit into this system or that system, and I hope to have this system in- implemented in the next three, four months, and then at that time, this guy will be getting good. Th- they need to have instant results. Like, w- we have a manager, and I'm sure a lot of these questions are going to going to revolve around um, uh, Stephen Gerrard and management and stuff like that as we go through uh, some of these I haven't listened to. Um, but but some managers have, have that very short-term and short uh short-sighted kind of mindset because you know you could you could get the boot after nine months you know you could and I think that um you know from that point of view we could say us as fans maybe overrate somebody like a Sansan 
we maybe overrate somebody like a like a Bertrand Traore. But then again, when you look at the flip side, that they have achieved good things and high profile things, and they've won maybe not won stuff in the, in, in their in their um cases, but you know they've won the hearts and they've won kind of glaring glances from a lot of other teams previously. So I, it's it's a it's a very it's a difficult question to ask, to answer based on where we are at this moment in time, and and you know we our squad is better than fourteenth position, it really is. Like when you look at some of our, some of the players we have there, like the internationals that we've 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 injected into this squad, this squad is better than fourteenth position. Like we've arguably one of the like he's definitely one of the top. I'm going to be conservative and say one of the top ten goalkeepers in the world, in Emmy Martinez. Um. You know, we've we've got a pretty decent backline. I think I think if we were to put all of our our defensive players, our our uh, like if we were to put Mings up for sale in the morning, he'll have a suitor. You put Diego Carlos up for sale in the morning, have a suitor. Um, Matty Cash and Luca Dean, yeah, for sure. I think that they they get sold at the drop of a hat if you put them up for sale. And then when you go into midfield, McGinn is gone. I I, I maintain, I actually maintain, if you were to put McGinn on the market in the morning for forty million, I think he'd be a Liverpool player by the end of next week. Um, just with with the with what's going on at their club at the moment, and uh, they're looking for that person who can come in and be molded, maybe like a Jordan Henderson. And I think McGinn potentially could do that. And I know people are probably going to laugh and go, "He can't keep hold of the ball." But once again, when you've got all these other players in a different system around you, you could see a completely different John McGinn. So I think he's played in four different systems in the four years he's been with the club, and I think that that's really hindered him. Um, within the Premier League specifically, I think that's hindered him as well. But that's for a different, uh, a, a different conversation. So yes, to answer your question, I do think we overrate the players, but I think that there's also context behind it that at times we probably underrate them as well. Um, and I think the proof is really in the pudding that you know you can really stand over it and say, well, context is king as well for for a lot of things. But you know there are people kind of queuing up to buy the likes of El Ghazi, to buy the likes of. Bertrand Troy, but then again, the fans don't think very highly of them anyway at the moment. So it's kind of a it's kind of a catch twenty two question. I hope I I hope I answered it. I, I and wasn't too fence city there. I tried to answer it as as uh, as best I could. Um, so thanks a million for that. Let's go on to our next part. Our next voicemail. Hello, fellow villains. Just would like everyone to take a deep breath. It's sort of crazy how Villa fans and most Premier League football fans just panic for either the best team in the world or the worst team in the world. Just would like, just for maybe a couple months, to enjoy the Premier League season without having to read about how Gerard's a fraud and how these players are terrible. Or conversely, when we beat Everton 3 to nothing, how we're the best team in the Premier League and we're going to make a European push. How about we just enjoy the ride and relax? Uh, but maybe that makes me a little bit crazy. Thanks. I don't think that makes you a little bit crazy at all. I think there is, I, I think in society itself at the minute, and I think in, in nearly every walk of life, we're very much um, swing left, swing right. And I don't mean that in a political sense before anyone gets at me. I'm just talking about that there's a center point in almost every discussion that you have. And at some stages, based on emotion and feeling, everything swings one way or it swings another way. 
And uh, look, that's all the part of being fan, being being a fan. Uh, 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 I suppose really that you do have those swings, you have those emotions. Like fan is short for fanatic, and we know what fanatical is. Fanatical is like you know that you've got this blind passion for something. Um, so you know, uh, I I agree with you. Um, I found myself getting like, and I'm not going to temper my emotions after losses like that because that was a bad loss. And also, I'm not going to temper my emotions after we go out. Maybe like, like I never, never forget feeling so happy after Courtney House scored that header against Manchester United last season, and we won. And I went, I don't care. I'm just going to be able to shout it from the rooftops that this feels like we're after winning 10 games in a row because it was a monkey off our back. And that's what the great emotion is. But I do agree with you, Christopher. I do agree that we do have um, a situation where sometimes, you know, sitting back, taking note. And as I say, I, I'm going to, it's going to be my catchphrases. Context is king for a lot of things. Um, like I probably got too far out over my skis with regards to the, with the time on Ming stuff. You look at the full interview and the full context. And in, even in the interview, he said, uh, Stephen Gerrard said that he was injured in that in that interview where he said he's to look me in the eye and when he's fit and um, he'll tell me he actually said he was injured directly after that and that wasn't reported and i suppose that's a fallacy of us really that maybe you got to sit in us and i mean us is in the for the love of pomegranate podcast when we're talking about it i'm not going to talk about anybody else but i think it's i i think like when we look at that in the context of it if i had that full context I probably would have had a bit more of a measured take on it, but at the time I was apoplectic, um, because I genuinely felt that Kanza was the wrong decision straight away from the team sheet, and I felt like I was proved correctly based on what I saw in the game and the two goals that we conceded. So I think you are right there, Christopher. I think that you're right that uh, that sometimes maybe we need this. It's it's good to take a bit of a reset and fall back into the center again and not get too far one way or too far the other way. And maybe sometimes just go, right, you got to wash that one off and hopefully we're going to enjoy Everton at the weekend. And I do think we're going to enjoy Everton. My my Aston Villa Lions club, you might be able to see it there in the background. I'm just going to move, you see there, my pennant, uh, official Lions club. We have an official Lions club here in Connacht in Galway, in, in County Galway in Ireland. And we're meeting up for the first time. Uh, we were forged during the COVID times. And I'm really looking forward to that for the Everton game at the weekend. We're going to meet up, going to watch it in a pub. We're going to have some fun. It's going to be a new 12.30 kickoff. And uh, hopefully I'm going to make some great new friends and uh, friends through the villa. And that's really what it's about at the end of the day. So um, we're right to get get hot under the collar about certain things. We're right to get elated over, over other things. But I suppose if we start doing that every single week, then we won't actually know where the middle point is. And, and I think that that is a very, very good uh, good observation as well, uh, Christopher. So thank you very much for that. Next one here is... I think of Villa really our aspirational club. And if we want to be hitting the top of the top half of the Premier League, then clearly um, the setup we currently have isn't going to get that. Um, I think that I've, I felt like Dean Smith was um, sat prematurely. I think I'm not alone in that. And I would much sooner have um, somebody come into the club who's shared um, a bit more of a modern outlook on what football is. Um, you know, it seems as if Steven Gerrard is a symbol of a past era that I hoped we'd moved on from at this point. Um, you know, there's a lot of mentions of 
um, an air of toxicity um, around Steven Gerrard. And that couldn't be further from where it was at with Dean Smith. I miss Dino, man. Bring back Dino. <laughs> Um, got nothing left to say except for up the villa. <laughs> okay, so there's a couple of things in that, I suppose, really that um and I'm not gonna sit here and rewrite the history of this podcast. We were very pro Dean Smith podcast as well, and we were I was for a split second definitely skeptical of the Stephen Gerrard piece, and then as I got to know more about his backroom team and stuff, I began to 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 very much warm to it warm to him and warm to, to him coming into the club and let's be honest like up to three or four weeks ago we were doing podcasts here saying that he's finally become manager of this club and you know he needed to get the claws out and he needed like for the carney chukwameka situation he handled that really well and now we're at a situation whereby we want to try like not not us but like there's there's a there's some chat that we want to like bin him because of the way he handled Tyrone Mings. And I think it goes back to the to the last voicemail that we had there. That sometimes you get too far left and too far right. And, I, and for the for the person who called in here, I'm not saying that you did here. I'm just talking about this as a greater uh, as as a greater um macro is it macrochasm as opposed to microchasm um of the way that uh, I suppose uh, the feeling that's around uh, around the club at the moment. Um with regards to Dean Smith, look. Come here, Uncle Dino. Like really, he is is a Villa fan. He knew what it meant to the club. He was in, he was just he was a really good guy. And to be honest with you, he was he was doing as well, if not better, than than with with players that arguably aren't as good as the players that we have now. Like we have better players than Diego Carlos. Coutinho is a better player. Maybe he's not doing it for Aston Villa at the moment. Um, Leon Beatty is finally getting into his. Uh, it looks like he's getting into his pump. And we have um we we have uh. Bubakar Kamara as well. Um, so I think there's merit in what you say, but look, we can't turn back the hands of time. We can't go back. Well, we could go back and get Dean Smith again, uh, but I, we're, we're not going to. Um, I, I'm not going to specifically talk on anything to do with the toxic, toxicity that is rumored to be around the club, just because I don't want to fuel rumors um, because I don't know. I don't know. And all I can say is, I will talk about, obviously, the comments made on Mings. I will talk about maybe the Morgan Sanson piece, but we'll say it as we see it there. I'm not going to speculate, I don't think, with regards to the toxicity. And I know that you weren't weren't speculating, you weren't looking for me to do that. So this isn't a comment on, on you. It's just the points that you bring up. I will discuss them in a, in a, in a grander scheme, in a more wholesome scheme, um, with regards to, to, to encapsulating I suppose, what I see on Twitter and what the fan base feels, not just the, call, this, the, the caller feels here. So please don't think that I'm... Um, I'm uh, having pot chats at you with regards to this. I certainly am not. Um, but I won't, I, I, I'm reluctant to discuss the toxicity at the minute. And the reason being, as I say, is because um, I want to discuss it with regards to evidence. And when it becomes evidentiary like that, then we will uh, we'll discuss it more. Because um, my opinion at the moment is that I think that, like everybody's grown up inside in that dressing room. Um, we have the same players. Some of the same players are underperforming that underperformed under Dean Smith. They're underperforming now uh, for, for Steven Gerrard. And they're in crucial and critical positions. Um, but I don't think that they're being helped either by the system. So from that point of view, I think you're, you're right. Um, uh, that you know, the system 
doesn't seem to have many tweaks to it and uh, it hasn't had it at the moment. And and that's something that we as fans want to see. And I know we're doing our team sheet tantrum on Saturday that when we discuss what the, like when we're talking about it, I'm, don't, I'm gone to the stage where I don't really care about personnel now at the moment. We have a good enough squad that we should be able to put out 11 players from three or four or five different combinations of players. And we should be able to play to a system that opens up people through the middle. And if we can't, and if we continue to go to the crossing methodologies, um, like then we're you know we're 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 no no better than Burnley of last year or the year before and and it's very difficult for a team to do that um, when you're not set up that way and we're not set up that way to go crossing the whole time yet we always only end up in, in crossing situations and the crosses don't go anywhere as we saw the last day but not going to relitigate that game again. Thank you very much for the voicemail. Really appreciate it. And I hope you guys have sent in voicemails. Continue to send them in as well, as I say, until we get something a bit more concrete with regards, maybe some sort of, I don't know if we can even do a phone-in show. I don't know what the story is, but uh, these are really good and they're really good, form, well-formed questions. And, and they, they, they allow me to speak about maybe greater issues that, uh, not issues, but greater kind of, um, what's the word I'm trying to say? Uh Talking points, I suppose, within the fan base as well. So thanks very much, everybody, for these. We have another one here. And by the way, I just want to let everybody know the voicemails are capped at 90 seconds. So if some of them end abruptly, that's why. And uh, the reason I say that is the next one is a 90 second one. Hi, Paddy. Um, well, the result of the weekend wasn't very good, was it? Unfortunately, we didn't get off to a good start. However, I do think there was some... Slight Menigan circumstances behind the really good Bournemouth performance. One, firstly, was okay. Their early goal there was a lot of bad defending, but it was it was a fair degree of luck as well, and it just set the tone for the match where they were going to settle in with their low block, with their big defenders guarding their penalty area. Unfortunately, I don't think we just maybe had the right personnel on the pitch at the time just to be able to manage that. We're playing a high possession game. I would like to see the likes of Dougie, Wendy, uh, these guys who can, you know, pick a pick a really nice pass uh, and find a a striker or a continue or someone just in the right spot. Um, so for me. I think we've got to let Neil Critchley now do some troubleshooting. He's got the opportunity now to look at some of the problems that we are we experienced last season and continue this season. So I think we just have to give things time. But we'll get better off the villa. You know what? I agree with a lot of that. I agree with a lot that's in there. I like that, you know, it, it's it's going to be difficult for a lot of teams to break down a low block like that of seven, eight men behind the ball. And it was low, like... Literally, they were playing in the car park behind the goals. Like, they were that far back. They just parked themselves in their box. And I said, all right, so I'll try and break us down with crosses. Because, and look, I keep on saying, I keep on falling back into that kind of bitchy, moany mode about the, about the game. But I think what you say there is right. I, I, up to a point, I think, that, I think the personnel piece, I think that we had adequate personnel that should have been able to break down that team. I just don't think that we knew how to pitch in the middle. And I think that, we when we set up with Bailey wide right and we set up with Coutinho wide left, we had nothing through the middle, and it looked like we were then we were terrified that we were going to get caught in a counter attack because I know Solanke in the first half after they scored the first goal, they did have a bit of a counter attack and Solanke had a shot that that Martinez had to save. Now 
the biggest thing, as I say, is that when we're when we're playing those two guys wide, and we were playing them wide in the first half, our wing backs were bombing on and stealing their space. Danny Ings was coming out to the wings into the channels to steal their space. And when you talk about Neil Critchley, I hope he's seen that. I hope he's seen the concentration of our players in the sim in similar spots on the field is detrimental to how we're going to get players like Bundy. Like even if we get Bundy into the team. We're still going to need to find him space, and we can't find him space if we're dragging all the players into one, like our players and their players, into one area in the field. We're going to need someone to stay central. We're going to need to have our fullbacks stay back there, like these in, the inverted tens that Stephen Gerrard wants to play. That's the piece I think needs to that needs to be like either they're inverted or they're playing out in the wing. And since he's come in, they've been playing out in the wing and they've been caught under the feet of Luca Dean and they're basically literally there to receive a pass from a Douglas Louise or a Kamara and basically kind of shuffle it out onto the further out to the wing for Luca Dean or Maddie Cash to cross the ball. And that's a complete another waste of these type of players. So there have been some games where this take it has clicked and there have been some that haven't. Now you mentioned about Neil Critchley and I think that's a very important point that Neil Critchley now does have an opportunity. I love the fact that you I love the phrase you use troubleshooting there because I am a tech guy and I love the um, the fact that you use, tr- use the word troubleshooting because I think that's what's needed to be done here. A lot of people have said you need to be able to deal with the players that you have and play with the players that you have. And, you know, we can't just be keep on buying in players to get ourselves a situation. And, yeah, Neil Critchley has come in and, and, and that's going to be something he's going to need to do. And at the time, we didn't make much of it. But him not being known in Australia and seeing those idiosyncrasies, although I, while I know he had all the data and he was probably there in Zoom calls or Teams calls or whatever they are, um, you know, it's 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 a lot easier. Or it should be a lot easier to implement that once you are on the training field with them day in day out. And uh, I think that that that's, uh, that's my hope. My hope is that we will um, see, even though it is a short enough turnaround, we will see that there will be some small changes there. And I just think we have to abandon. Either we have to, either we have to trust our wing players to be those wing players. Or we have to abandon the, the the and abandon the full backs going forward. Or we have to pull those wing players right into the centre, those Coutinho's and Buendia and Leon Bailey, pull them right into the centre and give and and like I think either way you're just gonna have to curtail the full backs going going so far forward. It causes massive consternation with our two defenders. Uh, it creates so much space, and then our midfield, our left high and dry, and our midfield can't be in any way creative. Um, and then it just it allows somebody like a Jefferson Lerma or even when we're playing against Everton at the weekend, it will allow two of their midfielders to just stand inside in the middle and our midfielders won't be able to outmuscle them because they'll be too busy filing out into the wings to cover for our wingbacks. Defenders defend at this moment in time and until we start to get a bit more coherency within results, within a defensive strategy and defensive shape, um, that will allow us then to attack a bit more through the middle or allow us to go wide. Uh, through our flare players. But at the moment, our flare players are just being water carriers and handing them out to the fullbacks who are crossing the ball in. And and, and to me, it's just a, it's, it's, it's a poor use of uh, of Abundia or Coutinho or Leon Bailey at this moment in time. Well, based on last week's performance. So they need to get them into the, into the game better, uh, more and we need to start attacking more through the middle. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and know how we're going to do that, but um, it's something that the, the club will need to figure out. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We have three more. Off a bit lightly with the media, uh, team setup is poor, managing players is poor, his tactics are poor, his formation is poor. As soon as that original formation got found out, it has really been downhill and doesn't seem to be having anything else. And there's also really, really good players. I think that's the one thing that you know that we can see from Gerard is he's got pulling power. I don't, but it doesn't seem to have pulling power to get the players to do what he wants on the pitch. And if he's not the one who's coaching the players, and, well, you know, what else can he do? I don't really see he's, he's putting the new coaching team in. It's not got any better. I don't see it getting any better. And this is as bad as I've seen it since the end of the show, or the era, about that performance it was just full of nothing and what Sherwood had to work with and what Gerald's got to work with he's had a perfect pre-season where he's only had to strengthen hasn't lost any players and the voicemail just cut out there because we got to 90 seconds I'm going to start at the very end there and I think it's very fair to say that he's had the he's had a pretty perfect play uh, off season with from the point of view of personnel with regards to he hasn't lost anybody of note. Um, and he's been able to strengthen with one or two or three players. Um, so from that point of view, he can't have any qualms. Um, you mentioned as well about his pulling power off the field. I think that is evident. Um, and I think that that is something... Uh, I'm, I'm still on the fence about the man management side of things because when you see... I'll always go back to, and I know there's about 10 other times that people could point and say, you should not have said this in the media. And I think that's 100% the thing. I think you criticize in private, you praise in public. And that's just like, that's that's management 101, really. Um, but I think the criticism in, in, in public is is what's being his downfall, is what's kind of souring people pretty quickly uh, on on certain situations, obviously, like the, the just ones that we've, we've, we've seen previously. Um but what was I going to say? Oh, yes. The the point, thing I was going to say there was I always go back to the Bubakar Kamara piece and how happy he was, how he spoke to Bubakar, and then how he went out and he spoke to his father and stuff like that. And, you know, it seems like that 
uh, he can be very, very personable from that point of view. I know firsthand that he um, was in somebody's sitting room or kitchen speaking to them and their family. Um, a player obviously didn't join Aston Villa, went down and joined another club. Um, but little things like that, you know, that he can be quite personable when when needed, when the time is right. But then again, as I say, if these sound bites weren't coming out in the media, I think that the people would have a lot different opinion on, on his band management style. Um, like I think managers are well within their rights to tell players, listen, you're 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 not going to be around the club anymore. Like he's done with with Freddie Gilbert, he's done with um, you know, uh, Bertrand Trower and those. You know, we're going to seek moves to you. And I think that that's courageous. And I think that, you know, you can be, you can kind of be farting around the bush a small little bit and trying to mollycoddle people. But like from a professional point of view, it's it's important to let players know that and say, listen, look, we're going to be looking for a move for you. If there's anything that pops up on your end, uh, you know, we're going to speak to your agent. We're going to see if he can maybe manufacture a move for you. But we're also going to try and manufacture a move as well. We, you know, we're going to be really honest with you because careers are short. And to have somebody sitting on the shelf, especially if they're 28, 29 years of age, um, you know, for two years, that makes them, and just they just run down a contract. That makes them 31. And, you know, players want to play. So I think from that point of view, it can actually be seen as good man management. And I don't really buy into the bomb squad piece. Um, I don't buy into that as being wholly a negative. Yes, it can be a negative in some instances, but in a lot of instances, it can be um, a positive because it's just professional to let players know where they stand. Um, I think the big point that I wanted to mention with you there is, yes, the media did give him an easy ride. They gave him a very easy ride up until pretty much last Saturday. And it's been question after question after question after question after question for the last four days. Um, we've had segments upon segments in Irish media here about what's the story with Aston Villa. Things don't seem all rosy in the garden. And I know they don't know anything more than what we see on online and stuff like that. But... It's a talking point. And it's a talking point because some of the comments that have, have, uh, have been made by Stephen Gerrard. And I think that that's something that needs to change pretty quickly. I know saying this, I know my co-host Paddy will give out about bland press conferences and bland post-match interviews and stuff like that. Um, and maybe he won't say the right thing from the point of view. And there'll be times where we want him to fuck the players out of it, but he won't do it. Or we want him to fuck a referee out of it and he won't do it. And I think I think what we gotta do is we gotta play the PR game pretty pretty carefully here, no matter who the manager is. And um, specifically when you're talking about players. And uh yeah, as I say, I I don't think like, <coughs> I wouldn't be as as down on the on the there's no kind of way back for Steven Gerrard now. I think there is. I think winning cures all that ails you. I think it cures all that ails you within the squad. Um, but I think there needs to be some pretty i do think that they need to come together and they need to have conversations and i think that somebody needs to put their arm on Stephen jared's shoulder and say listen lad if you're going to mention players by name in press conferences uh even if you're asked about players you know very middle of the road vanilla milk toast comments please because you're not doing anything any favors within the dressing room or outside there with the media and you're creating a circus with it and i just prefer if we didn't have a circus please um, that would be good and let us get on with what we're doing um, on the training field. So that would be my advice. But uh, as I say, I know about as much as you guys know from the um, from that point of view. Uh, another one. Hi, guys. Great podcast. Uh, I just have a question. How stubborn do you think Gerard is? And 
there's a number of questions, you know, the centre-back's decision, uh, Coutinho versus Buendia, basically the shape, the shape of the side. How long do you think that he would stick with something just because it's his decision and he wants to make it work? Even if we go through loss after loss or bad, bad game after bad game in terms of the performance, how long do you think Gerard would stick with it because he's doing it his way? Um, hard one to answer. I suppose what I would do with that is, um, and the first thing that came to my mind is that there was managers who maybe took on a job. I'm not going to say that they weren't ready for it, but they went to a club maybe that didn't suit them. And what always comes to mind is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had a, a very free-flowing um, team for Molde and it just suited him. And yes, maybe the league suited him and he got he got some got some great results. And then he went to United and people criticised him for being stubborn and playing the same players and, and uh, you know, for not being adaptable. You also go back, and I know Man United is a very, very... Um, different beast from the point of view of that they just haven't found it since Alex Ferguson uh, left. But you look back at them as well, David Moyes. David Moyes went to Manchester United. He was criticised. He was criticised for trying to find the way he wanted to play. They bought Fellaini. They played him up top. People didn't like that. You know, and uh, then they got lots of other managers in. They got in like big name managers that we'd, we'd love to have at our club, but may not work out either. The likes of Louis van Gaal, the likes of Jose Mourinho, the likes of you know, you go down through them. And even Ten Hag. Ten Hag is having questions asked to him now. And the, the 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 club aren't doing him any favours by, you know, bowing to fan pressures. If he wants Arnautovic in, you get him Arnautovic. And then, you know, at the end of the day, he either sinks or he swims. Um, they're having a bit of troubles themselves. So what, this isn't a, 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 an answer solely based on Manchester United. But what I'm trying to get at here is that I think every manager is going to want to back their system. Um, rightly or wrongly, there's going to be very few managers that are going to be uh, that are going to continually to flip and change because I think it's very difficult to implement stuff week in week out, different sec- different uh, uh, setups, and and maybe that's something that, that that football needs to adapt because you can do it in international football, turgid and, and boring enough as it is, but maybe sometimes you need to bring that into the club game um, from time to time to arrest maybe free falls and stuff like that. We couldn't do that last year, losing five on the bounce and then going on to win one or two. And we were a very patchy, patchy team. So, um, to answer your question, I don't know how long he's gonna, gonna try it. I don't know. Um, he's been doing it now for nine months and he hasn't changed his, yes, he's gone to up top. He's gone to whatever, you know, he's changed his tactics slightly, but I think, um, I, I, I don't know is the answer, but I think that it's inherent in, managers that they want to back their system and you see it all over the world that a manager has a system and they're very slow to change it but sometimes you find that some of the best managers do change up their system i'll bring in another person frank reichardt frank reichardt was at barcelona he you know it was all conquering at barcelona went to galatasaray couldn't get a tune out of that team now granted the barcelona had a fantastic team at the time but he knew a system of total football, brought in that Dutch kind of mentality into, into Barcelona, couldn't replicate it anywhere else. And he's been in and out of management pretty much with, with little success or fleeting success since then. You know, So I think managers do get married to their systems. And I think, to be honest with you, if I was a manager, I'd like to think I wouldn't be, but it would be very difficult if you had success with something and you knew how it was supposed to work. That uh, 
that you know you wanted it to work out in the field and you knew what they were supposed to be doing. And sometimes I think like somebody like Gerard kind of harked back as well to Glenn Hoddle. Glenn Hoddle couldn't understand why players couldn't do what he could do in the field. I would wager good money that Gerard has struggles with that as well, that he can't understand why certain players can't do what he could do in the field. And once again, maybe maybe it just goes to the point that maybe he got into management too quickly after playing. You know, maybe he hasn't had the time away. He went more or less straight into into the Liverpool Academy and had, went on to Rangers now on to Aston Villa. I, I, I don't know. I'm, this, that's blind speculation with regards to this. But you often do see it that ex-players um, will be married to a system and we'll, we'll try and make it work. And he won't be the first, last, or only manager to do that. And, uh, you know, as I say, now with Neil Critchley in there, uh, hopefully we will see tweaks to the system and the setup um, as the weeks go on. We have two more left. So I'm going to play the next one. Hi, Neil Paddy. Love the show. That's uh, Matt from Staines in Surrey. My question for you is, do you think Buendia and Coutinho can play in the same side? I'm really sceptical that the Christmas tree works. A bit more intrigued by a 4-2-3-1, but probably leaves our full-backs a bit exposed unless the two sixes can really protect them. Um, but would be keen to see it tried. What do you reckon? Yes, is the answer uh, to all of that, to the questions that you, uh, you asked. Yes, I think the Coutinho and Bundia can play together. Maybe not in the role that we think they can play in the two inverted tens. Um, maybe if we like, uh, maybe if we if we had uh, um, Coutinho in the centre, Buendia far left, and and uh, Bailey wide right or something like that. Um, I I agree with you. In the four two three one should at least be tried. The biggest problem with four two three one is that our full backs need to stay back. Uh, need to stay back a small bit. You mentioned about them being exposed. I, I don't think that they would be exposed because at this moment in time, they're not really a massive factor in our defence because they're consistently coming back against the ball when we're cutting a, a counter-attack. So this is where it kind of goes to me, uh, where, where I, I kind of come back to what I said previously about, I think our defenders need to be need to be need to defend a small bit more, and I think our flair attacking players, which we've gone out and spent, I, sp- I mentioned Coutinho, 17 million massive wages, Buendia, what, 38 million, Bailey, another 28, 30 million or something. It's not like we've scrimped and saved on those attacking players. We're not allowing them to do what they do best. We're not giving them space. And the reason we're not is because we're so hell-bent on getting our fullbacks open to the attacking third at every single opportunity. And it works for Liverpool, yeah, it works for Liverpool. But just because it works for Liverpool doesn't mean it's going to work for Aston Villa. So for me, I think it's worth trying. I think it's worth being a small bit more um, judicious in defence and maybe, look, being a bit more... I was going to say a bit more boring, but you can't get more boring than we were at the weekend. But I think that we need to be a bit more disciplined, I suppose, in our attack. And um, yeah, we're going to suffer having Buendia out wide, potentially suffer with having Buendia out wide left, although he does put a shift in. And we're going to potentially suffer with having Bailey out wide right, although this season he has tracked up and tracked down in this offseason. So I don't see what we lose by trying out something like that. And, And we did go something similar to that in the second half. So maybe that's something that we see against Everton at the weekend. But will he play Buendia and Coutinho in the same team? He hasn't favoured it. I don't know whether his thoughts are the same as mine. So it's it's going to be really interesting. But I think the four two three one is something that we should at least um we should at least visit at the moment. But once again going back to the last person's question, is there stubbornness there not to try that because uh, it's not his system. And, and and that's okay too. I have a voicemail in here. 
that I have definitely not listened to. So I have no idea what way this one is going to go, but we're going to play it. It's just fresh in off the off the, uh, the press uh, 35 seconds ago. So I'm just going to play it here and hopefully um, there is no swear words in it because <laughs> we're doing well so far. Hi guys, Owen Bradley here. Um, oh, it's going to be fine, so. Come on, Owen. Um, I just want to ask um, you guys your opinion on... We're sort of 28 games into Jared's reign. Should we be seeing some sort of style of play? Because I can't put my finger on it. Apart from maybe the first five games when we got a bounce when Jared came in, and possibly one or two games, maybe the Southampton game, first half against Leeds. That's the only style that I've seen so far. So should we now be seeing a nailed-down style and against Bournemouth, I couldn't see him. Thanks, guys. Big fan of the show. Excellent. Thanks, million one. Um, yes, is the answer. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of stuff on social media. We see a lot of stuff everywhere going, what's the identity of this team? And uh, and we don't see it. We don't see the identity of the team. And I think a lot of that is down to... Um, a, lot, a lot of that is, is, is down to... I'm just, I, I actually can't put my finger on it. I can't. I was initially going to say chopping and changing of team and, and personnel, but realistically speaking, we can name two of our three midfielders every single week. We can name two of our three forward players every single week, and we can name three of our four back line every single week. And we probably will, you know, after the second or third game of the season, we should be able to name four of our back line, probably our three midfielders, and maybe the only changes happen up top. So from a personnel point of view, we should be seeing a small bit more. We should be seeing a small bit more discipline, but or not discipline, but identity. But um, Stephen Gerrard wanted us to be a tight at back and a possession-based team, and we've not been either of those two teams, either, either of those things, um, for large parts of his reign so far. Um, yeah, we did have lots of um, lots of possession against Bournemouth, but what did we do with it? You know, I keep on going back to litigate that game, and I don't want to, and I'm not going to again. But I think you're right, on. I think that that that's what we're going to need to look for. That's what we're going to need to see. And in the team sheet tantrum, that's what we're going to be talking about. Yes, the personnel are going to be there, but what do we want to see from our from our, from the team, and what kind of tweaks and changes from the play style are we going to see, or do we need to see? And um. I think that's that's going to be the the word on everybody's lips over the next uh, over the next week or so. Is did we see it? What did we see? Did it work? And if it didn't work, why didn't it work? Um, because we're at the stage now whereby we're coming into um, some very difficult games, and we thought we'd have three points on the board. I think every Villa fan did, and we don't. So how do we adapt? Adaptability is something that Stephen Jarrett has talked about an awful lot. How do we adapt to this situation? And uh, then how do we make sure that, that those adaptations then make us a better team and make us a more cohesive unit? And uh, the jury's out on whether that has happened during the last 28 games at all. Um, so we, we can only see with time on, on that one. That's going to do it for our voicemail, Chad. I don't know. I think that was a pretty good showing for the first voicemail show. I really do. Thank you so much to everybody who called in. Um, I was reluctant to say your names just in case people didn't want me to. In future, um, I will call out people's names um, on the podcast. I just wanted to kind of get my feet under the table with this one first. Just a reminder for everybody, if you are leaving a voicemail, please don't leave your, your email address uh, just because I will start to share up on screen 
uh, the, the the voice recordings and we can play them and then people will be able to see your names. If you're okay with the names being shown up there, that's cool. Uh, we can pop your name up um, and we can show them. It's just I'm very conscious of having anybody's email address there. So uh, do not put in your email address, whatever you do. And then next time we'll be able to show up uh, those people who have uh, called in. But thank you so much to the nine people, I think, that left voicemails there uh, already. And this has only been on the go since yesterday. Um, you can find us on speakpipe.com. It is, you'll be able to find it very, very easily. I just need to make sure that, yeah, it's www.speakpipe, as in speak, dot com forward slash for the love of Paul McGrath pod. So that's where you'll be able to find us and uh, you'll be able to leave us a voicemail and tell us anything that you wish. So thanks very much, everybody, for listening as always. Onwards towards everything. We'll be back with a preview show tomorrow with Paddy and then we'll be back with Team Sheet Tantrums and post-match reviews of the game on Saturday. And, uh, yeah, as I say, everybody, thanks so much for this. Stay safe. And all that's left to say is up to Villa. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.